We care about our own kids. We care about our athletes. We care about the success. We care about all that. And I think that that's what they miss when they don't hire women for these top jobs. Parenting has changed my skill set, right? Like I think that I've become a better coach because of being a parent. I am literally (laughs) multitasking right now and I can share, you know, my, um, my attention to both. Snack time is almost right. I'm Alex Del Sordo, and this is another Coaches Yelling, and this is a part two. So uh, yesterday we recorded part one of Moms in Rowing, Women in Rowing, and if you see here, if you're watching, you see an all-women's cast, and uh, these are these are leaders of our industry. These are individuals women that have made rowing a career, that have changed the sport as we know it, and continue to change it every single day that they're involved in rowing. And I could not be more excited. I'm even getting chills right now, thinking about their careers and their successes. And we're gonna get all into that, but we're gonna get into some topics that I think are really important for us to discuss. And uh, if you're new to the show, which is great to see or hear, if you like, dislike, agree, disagree, whatever, Give us your feedback, give us your topics, like talk to us. We wanna know how to make this show better. We wanna know how to make rowing better. And that's pretty much what this is. We all have the same intentions here, good intentions for the sport to grow and to be better. And up first, this is unbelievable. Um, Olympic gold medalist, uh, ED at McGunnacook, I got it, McGunnacook. Ohio State world champion, Syracuse, Anna Goodall, welcome to the show. Thanks Thank for being here. Thank you. Thank you, Alex. I'm, I'm really excited to be here, and I love what you guys are doing. It's absolutely awesome. Oh, I am thrilled to hear that. And uh, you're like rowing royalty. This is so cool. <laughs> I'm like so thrilled about this. Uh, and I'm actually, you know, you, you, you're, you're a mother of two, right? Um, Correct. This is going to be a really great perspective uh, that I think that you're going to bring to the table. So thank you for being here. Um, yeah, next up is uh, the co-head coach of Greenwich Water Club, a former Brown rower, NCAA champion, Catherine Starr. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm very excited to be here. <laughs> I, you know, you remind me of uh, Mike Wallen, just a few words, doesn't take a whole lot. <laughs> but uh, this is great. And I think that you are uh, a mother of one. Is that right? A three-year-old? Yep. Just I love the one. perspective. It's going to be great. Sassy human. <laughs> uh, next up, uh, the ED of NorCal, been around rowing for a very long time, uh, a boilermaker, I believe, right, from Purdue, Beth Anderson, welcome to the show. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, yeah, I went to Purdue, but I got my graduate degree at Purdue. So actually, I'm a UCLA, I'm a Bruin, co-Bruins. Um, and uh, yeah, so. Well, I'm excited for you to make it here. Uh, and, you know, you got a good history with rowing. So I, I, get, I, I love the perspective. I love, I love getting a chance to see what people have to say about rowing from, from all ages and for all years. Now, next up, uh, now, Sarah, I'm going to butcher your last name. I am so sorry. Uh, Pudicom, I think. Okay. You are a three-time All-American. You are the head varsity coach of Capital Crew. Um, you, you, you are a badass voice in rowing. I'm so excited for you to be here. A mother of two. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm excited. And 
Um, I'm just going to say I'm nervous, <laughs> but I'm excited. <laughs> I'll tell you, you know, you are all brand new to the show. So I need to warn you, you have 90 seconds to ask, to answer these questions. Um, if I'm going to get my clock set up here, if I like or dislike what you have to say, it's thumbs up or down. Okay. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm going to add up the points and the person with the, or the three people with the most points move on to the next round, which is the coaches yelling at the end of that, we crown a winner. Now, because this is more of like a coach's discussion, all four of you might advance. I don't know. I mean, I got I to gotta make that decision here as we get on. But Anna, you're first up. And I asked the same question yesterday to the, to the four women yesterday. What do we need to do in our sport to get more women in leadership positions, potentially athletic directors, EDs, or head coaches? You are on the clock. I think the biggest struggle for me in being a mom and being a coach is the, the fact that I had to choose between the two a lot. Um, and so figuring out how to not make it a choice between being a coach and being a mom and not needing to decide between those two um, would be huge because I, I've coached at a very high level um, and I felt like I absolutely my motherhood suffered because of that. Um, I mean, I really, really enjoyed it. I thought it was, I, I grew as a coach, I grew as a human, but I was not the mom that I wanted to be. And it, it got to the point where things happened in my life and I had to step away from it in all honesty um, to, to be more of the mom that I really needed to be. Um, and, and that was a really big choice and something that, that um, I wish I didn't have to make. Well, so how does our, how does our sport discourage uh, motherhood in this in, in this world like what what made you feel that way well I think coaching in general and specifically in our sport takes a ton of time and a ton of attention and so does parenthood <laughs> so um, you know it's our coaching is not just a two-hour job or a four-hour job you you know our jobs eat and breathe and walk um, so when you have both of those entities that are constantly craving your attention and asking for your you know emails and calls and all that stuff it just becomes so overloaded um, so and I and I think there really is a way to do both um, I haven't feel I mean I'm figuring it out now at a very different Ooh. level okay Anna you're gonna learn how to consolidate uh, yeah. <laughs> I appreciate your point of view I mean you're, you're saying that our sport does not encourage and I think this is really in other industries it's not just I'm not just pointing out rowing but yeah. you're right you have to make the decision and that's a very hard decision to make so um, next not bad four points four points not bad We've had others get two points and we've had others get nine points. So you're right in the middle. Uh, Catherine, uh, same question for you. What do we have to do in our sport to get more women in leadership roles, EDs, head coaches, directors, you name it, you're on the clock. Um, I think, first of all, I didn't know this competition, but I'm ready. Um, I think you have to, I think that if you want to make a conscious effort to support it, you have to ask these people into these roles. And I think that that feels like a negative mark for women. But I also think that um, we, we don't always step into it. So, you know, I think we have to encourage ourselves, but I also think you have to ask us. I think that's it. And then I think when you ask us, you have to back it up with support and resources. Because as Anna said, we have incredibly divided attention. And that is not because we want that. We, we have that because, you know, this is, we are human beings and we have encompassing life factors. Um, so, you know, I need, to, I need to be able to cover childcare. I have hours and I want to invest everything in this sport, but I need, I need to be able to care for my child. I need to be able to, to do that well. And I need 
the flexibility and support to do that as well. Are so, out, are you pointing out inequality in pay here? Like, well, I think that that's I think that's probably one thing, but I think also like that's a societal level change, right? Like, if I could get affordable childcare and it was brought, you know, into something, whether it's pay, and I I mean my employer um, has you know childcare matching program or you know funding program whatever tax-free um, that I appreciate but I think that there are other things like you know also having uh, maternity sorry, leave I gotta do it I'm so sorry you know Kevin I gotta I gotta I gotta keep it going but um, my a question for you before I move on uh, to Beth um, have you ever had to bring your child to a practice I, I mean I know I have I brought her to regatta um, I brought her to an indoor practice right she's three I'm not gonna bring her on a launch yet I I want to bring her because I want her to see female athletes doing something amazing. Okay, um, Beth, uh, you're up now. I'm gonna get the clock ready. What do we need to do in our sport to get women in leadership roles and, and, and more leadership roles? You're on the clock. Well, first of all, I have to answer Catherine. Catherine, everything's a competition, so don't think it's not. And second, <clears throat> I have four kids, um, and I had my first one when I was coaching at Davis, UC Davis. And I just took her everywhere. She, unfortunately, according to my husband, you don't know accidents are going to happen. So therefore, don't take that baby in the motorboat. So I would hand her off to someone on land. But, you know, um, but I, I took her everywhere. She, in, at two months, no, actually at six weeks, we went on a road trip and she slept the entire way on the, in the truck, which was great, except that when we got there, she was not sleeping. So, um, but I think that in, you have to allow these kids to be part of what you're doing. You know, my kids think that every spring you go to San Diego, they just thought everybody went to San Diego. And I believe that, um, you know, they have to know how hard you work and they know, um, they know by just, you know, I'm like, I have to check my email really fast before we can go to the park. And the kids are like, oh yeah, I have to check my email when they're like six months, you know? So I think it's really important that they know you're working and that they know that you're giving them as much as you can while you're doing it. So, so Beth, how do we get more women in coaching positions? Like, what do we need to do to get more women in those positions? I think we have to break down, actually, what the men athletic directors are hiring for. Because, you know, we coach, and we coach really well. And we also do um, – we manage our time really well, but they have to be more flexible in what, you know, what their expectations are. Okay, so I really appreciate Beth's perspective here. Um, you, you, you're actually bringing onus to ourselves and saying, you know what, we just have to get our children to understand this is the way of life and, and, and get that support from day one. I, I, I love that. But also, we're going to touch more on what athletic directors want. I love that. We're going to get more into that in other uh, areas of the show. Sarah, you're up here. Closing out question number one, um, what do we do to get more women in power? You're on the clock. Well, I think I'm going to kind of touch a little bit on what Catherine was saying, like you have to ask the women, like you can't make assumptions that the women aren't going to say yes. So don't not offer the job um, to a very qualified candidate because you're like, oh, well, they've got two small children. They might not want this job. It's like, no, you have to ask. Let them, let the candidate, let the woman um, figure out. Um, part of that 
struggles of figuring it out though is like, yeah, what resources are available? You know, like I applied for head coaching jobs in the collegiate scene. And honestly, I was afraid to ask what resources are available to me because I didn't want it to be a weakness. I didn't want it to be seen as a weakness of, oh, this candidate's not going to be able to give us the full attention. So I think the more conversations like this we have is incredibly helpful in empowering. Um, also making it, um, yeah, make it a, a choice where they can say yes in terms of like, this is the the structure we need you to do. Like, I think a lot of women don't automatically see themselves as leaders, but they are incredible educators. They're incredible coaches, mentors, and all of that creates a great leader. So um, just a support network, mentorship, um, women in leadership roles in the AD level, at the executive director level, reach out to the younger like rising stars and say, you can do this and you need to say yes, just because yeah, you're afraid to say no, say yes. I love that. Um, Sarah, I'm so sorry I have to cut you off. It's just, it's part of the show, but you're going to stay on because you're going to go right into question number two, um, okay. is um, very simply put, if you were in charge of the rowing world, what changes mm -hmm. would you make right now to make these things happen? Like, what would you do right now? What changes would you make? sweeping changes, whatever, uh, to put more women in power. You're on the clock. Yeah, well, I would um, kind of steal, right? We're all coaches, we'll steal a little bit. Um, I would steal kind of the model of the level two, level three coaching certificate, right? Like, I think we need to pair strong women role models with younger women um, who want to get into coaching. Like, Beth, will you be my mentor? You know, like, let's, let's ping pong ideas and actually assign people um, a network, you know, um, I think when you interviewed Sarah Lowe from Atlanta Juniors, you know, she mentioned this network that we have a grassroots network and that we're all a part of. It's pretty passive right now. I love it. Um, but yeah, let's take it to the next level and let's actually um, pair some people up, you know. Um, I know I've bounced ideas. What's that? Oh. I love that idea. Um, Keep going. Yeah, so mentorship, I think, is awesome. And then um, so that people can see real-world examples of, yes, you can manage and balance and have that family balance that everybody wants and I think is what is limiting a lot of women in going forward. Um, I know I, I want to do a quick... Keep going, keep going, keep going. Oh, so I was coaching, a collegiate coach. I was a high school coach. Collegiate coach came in, recruiting. She's like, oh, you love this. Sarah Nevin from um, Mills College was like, are you going to do this as a career? I was like, huh, you can't do this. And she's like, what do you think I'm doing, Sarah? And I was like, Poof. like, <laughs> wow, I can make this a career. So, um, uh, yep. so this is, uh, you know, this is a really important thing. I, I, I think and I'm gonna go the diversity route here, but if you have young boys and girls in the inner city streets and they see someone of like body and mind performing something at the highest level, they know they can achieve it. Women in rowing, right? If you have role models that you can look up to, you know that that could be possible. Women in leadership positions, if you know they're out there and they're available, use them as mentors, use them as springboards to say, oh, I can do this. And I think what you're saying here and your solution is, make it a voice, right? Give women a voice at those positions, ex express that they're there, and, uh, and you'll have the younger crowd seeing them as, as opportunities to, to do that in the future. Um, next up is Beth. So Beth, we're gonna bring you on in here. Um, if you were in a leadership position, 
if you just could say, this is how we're doing it, uh, how would you empower women? What solutions would you have to even the playing field and get more at the top level? You're on the clock. I think there's a bunch of things. One, you have to educate them, right? And you have to also educate. I mean, like I had to educate my husband. Yeah, he makes a lot more money than I do. But guess what? We, we made these children together. It took 50% of him and me to make all these children. And, you know, at three o'clock on my way to the boathouse, I would drop them at his shop and they would hang out there until and do homework until he could get them to their afternoon activities. So you have to make it work. And I, I don't think it's always up to the woman like to fix everything, right? I think that's, that's what we feel and that's what our parents had, but it's not necessarily just up to us. It takes two and it, it needs to be a lot more collaborative and not everyone can participate in that, but I do believe that it teaches our kids the right message. And, um, you know, and sometimes we can't do stuff, right? Our kids want to go here and we're like, yeah, that's not going to happen. You know, I didn't let my kids participate in any spring sports because I was traveling every weekend. And it was just too hard to get four kids in and out of sports. So I think mentorship, you know, I talk a lot to the other women coaches in the country. I talked to Sandy Armstrong, who's unbelievable. I talked to a lot of people and bounce ideas. I, I never uh, necessarily make, an, I, uh, make a decision all by myself. I usually have people I can call and talk to. And, you know, there aren't any secrets, right? Like we're not inventing a virus vaccine. We are coaching kids. We're trying to make them all better kids. So let's be collaborative and, and actually like teach each other. Like somebody asks me something, I'll tell them anything they want to know. I have no, no I, secret. I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, we're going to, we're going to keep rolling on this one because I like the momentum here. So Catherine, uh, we're going to bring you on uh, again. If you were the solution maker here, you were saying, this is how we do it. How do we do it? You're on the clock. Um, I think I definitely, I would just, you know, echo what Sarah is saying with mentorship and being able to be, shown a path you don't have to drag me onto it but i need to know sort of the steps in front of me um i think i had sarah actually as somebody i saw as a is actually a mentor for me and she's sitting here um she and vanessa were successfully coaching cal it was incredible to see them do that and you know it just made me so game to go and do this and do this well and have a child and be doing this as a female i i rode for Phoebe Murphy, the lesser, I think, celebrated, but very impactful Murphy. And she, you know, kind of put into my head that you could be this powerful person and really make it happen. And Lori, so I think all of these people that I was exposed to showed me that I could do this. And I also had somebody tell me in high school that their life's ambition had been to be a coach. And I think that made it okay for me to not think of my career path as secondary. Like, I think I had friends who were going out there and they were, you know, into eye banking and all this. And, and so, so this path of being a successful female coach was something that I, I could have in my head and I could take active steps towards instead of sort of falling through. So um, to put women into that position, I do think, you know, it is this mentoring aspect of it. I think that really pulls people along. Um, uh, time. So it, it, you know, it's, if, if more than one person says we need mentorship, then that's, there's a simple solution and we just need to create that. And that needs to come from the top, right? You need to have some, some organization or some governing body to say, we're creating a mentorship, here it is and open it to the public. So I, 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 love, I love talking about this, but I also love coming up with solutions. So Anna, closing out the second question here, it's been a while since you've been on, okay? I know you've been listening, but you're ready. What do we do? You know the question. You're on the clock. 
So I think there's a really big difference, or I heard this at one point, that there's a difference between men and women, that men will apply for a job before they're ready because they have a certain confidence. But women, as women, we have to feel really, really prepared in order to apply for a job. So I think that in, and it comes towards the mentorship, empowering young coaches to go for it, to apply for jobs is a huge way to get more people into it because we are not going to apply for the jobs that necessarily we could be completely qualified for. Um, because we don't feel ready. And the truth is, especially as a parent, you know, taking on something bigger and something better is really overwhelming, right? But you have to have to have the confidence to be able to do that. Um, the other thing that comes up for me is educating, kind of like we talked about before, where kind of understanding what athletic directors want, but also educating athletic directors and educating the higher ups to, um, to take those risks, right? And to, to say, this is the reason why this could be an incredible opportunity and an incredible um, support for you, not just an equalization, but as a human being and as a role model and as a coach, this is the way, this is a really, really good option, right? Just as good as the, the female or the male counterpart. Mm -hmm. Wow, all right, well, that's a good way to close that off. So when we get back from work from our sponsors, uh, uh, I'm going to tie up the scores, so I need a couple seconds here. And uh, we're going to roll right into the coaches young. So more from us here in a few seconds. back so um it's a tight race and we decided to keep everybody on and i said this in the beginning it's a coach's discussion if you like dislike agree disagree with anything that they're saying uh give us your feedback now's the time so we're gonna get into the coaches yelling which we always compare to us sitting at a bar having a couple drinks after a long regatta where everywhere just wants to talk 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 and here's that chance so i'm gonna open this up for everybody okay and get things rolling can you share some examples of times or things that you had to overcome as a mother in our sport or things that uh, made it uncomfortable that we could then learn from and have solutions. Um, I'm gonna start the clock in three, two, one. We're open for discussion, we're on. I think there's a lot of things that we've all had to overcome. Um, I think every one of us have had to have a child at a regatta site at one point or another. Um, and that in itself comes with challenges. I mean, having to bus and sometimes being the driver of the vehicle because you're the coach and you're like, well, where do I fit a car seat? You know, thank God that right. my mom was able to travel with us and she had to rent her own vehicle and tow the child, you know, behind us. Yeah, um, and the other part of that, Sarah, is I, you're at a regatta and it's not safe around water with toddlers. <laughs> so you have to watch them all the time. You know, and I remember when my husband was at Regatta and he rode one day and he's like, watch your children. And I was like, oh yeah, of course I'll watch my children. But of course I didn't watch my children. And then of course someone else watched my children for me. So you have to be really aware of what your capabilities are at a Regatta with little teeny kids and water. Like they can't swim. Right. I've had to leave my kids at home because I either didn't feel safe bringing them or it just wasn't a, a feasible, like my son was two years old, which is not young, um, but going on a spring training trip for a week, that's a big goal <clears throat> to be away from yeah. him for the first time for that long. And there's a constant- able to bring them? And were you unable to bring them or did you just not- feel it was appropriate. No, I don't think it was it was really part of the discussion. I was a young coach and I probably could have right. thought and I probably could have asked for it, but it didn't feel like an option at all. And, and I think that also 
is really hard because it feels like the assumption is that when you do that, if you choose to bring your child, that your attention is divided. And I can tell you that like, when I bring my child, when I have to do things like that, my attention and my focus is like, I'm working twice as hard to make Absolutely. this work. Especially if it's just you, you know, like if it's just well, you. But you're, yeah, and your attention is divided. Crazy. Right? right? Your attention is divided, but as junior coaches, don't you feel that we have all those parents looking out for us? You know, like, as, and maybe not in the, on the collegiate level, because when I coached in college, I would hand my baby off to parents and give bottles, and then I would just, like, see the baby at the end of the day. But, it, but <clears throat> as a junior coach, I feel like we're kind of in a great position to be coaches. Because I don't think that would fly to me, I honestly don't think that would I'm jealous of you. That I, I wish I could do that now. Now I'd be like, what? I mean, I've had parents offer, and I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm not. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You always just go, here you go. Here's the <laughs> I got to go. Or, you know, the other thing is I would take a spare – kid with me and I'd be like look your main job if you don't row is actually to watch my children no <laughs> I would no. pay for their ticket I would pay for their ticket and they wanted to go they know that, that kid nowadays now is going to complain to the athletic director and being like I am being <laughs> unfairly targeted and being forced to babysit without pay you know <laughs> like, <laughs> like no 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 I mean, I'm definitely, when I traveled to nationals as a junior head coach for the first time, I'm all the way from California to Sarasota, I thought I was done breastfeeding. I was like, it'll be fine. Mom's first time out, right? Nope. Had to go to the grocery store at 10 p.m., getting the cabbage, putting and taking a cold shower because I didn't bring a pump. I didn't bring the child. And now I've got issues. Like, it's not fun, but it's at the reality. The baby's fine. <laughs> All right, Catherine, Catherine, I, you've been itching to say something. Let me hear what you have to say. Oh, God. No, I, I, I mean, I know this is the part where I just, you know, we're, this is not a competition, but I definitely have pumped in a, in a porta potty, which is like one of the most harrowing things, but I think not the most that people have gone through. Um, I think it's also, you know, I think Anna brought it up earlier, but, you know, parenting has changed my skill set, right? Like I think that I've become a better coach because of yeah. being a parent, but I also, you know, I don't like to use the term mom guilt, but I feel oh. really stretched also as like a sort of, I, you know, maybe Beth, I, I, I'm so, I'm so jealous of that feeling of just being able to hand off your child because I'm, I feel you should compelled. have three more. I know. Just I have wish. three more. It'll be fine. <laughs> I, I, think work with it. Yeah, I just got to raise my own babysitters. No, but I feel like I can, exactly. I'm compelled to do it a hundred percent. And so I think maybe that is also like trying to figure out how to and take a so little pressure off myself. A hundred percent, you know, like right. you can't yeah. be on coaching and on a hundred percent. So it's this div division of time and labor, um, trying to do both at the same time mean they both suffer. In terms of saying that it's made you a better coach, you know, and because and I think I've coached for you and also like a head coach. Now I feel that I am empowered now to bring my children to site, to bring yeah. my children to That's practice. That's a really interesting point. And like, I feel like it has helped me in terms of understanding and, um, I think it's also forced me to balance myself a little bit, right? Like where my, my yeah. previous experience was to just, pour my heart and soul into something, which I still do with this team. I think that's so important, 
but I also have learned to set boundaries because, yeah. uh, you know, we're talking, I have a child who is walking around right now telling me she's got to take Zoom calls and she walks around holding a cell phone going, no, excuse me, no, excuse me, no, excuse me. So like, yeah, yeah. My son, my son used to be like, uh, I can go to the pool, but first I have to check my email. And he'd be like, he'd be like, you know, he's like three. I'm like, uh, yeah, dude. Okay, cool. I think I say that too much. I have but like, question. I think, yeah, go ahead. So if, if the regattas around the world offered uh, daycare, right? Like on-site daycare uh, is, do you think that's a good solution to some of these problems? Would you be willing to hand off your child at a daycare provided by the regattas? Yeah, I personally, but I'm I'm an anomaly, and I would hand my child yeah. to most people that breed. So yeah, no, I think that would be I think it would be awesome. It's a crew classic. I'm there in a heartbeat. I mean, <laughs> in a heartbeat, exactly. Oh, I'm there always. It's a really but important thing to have them close. I mean, I dump my kid off in the tank. Like yeah, for real. Um, yeah, no. that yeah. I don't know. I think if you had somebody at the regatta that was right there where you could go back and forth and check in, you know, like if you're still breastfeeding at a regatta, you know, the idea of going all the way down, but in the coaches section, in the athlete section, it has to be right there. Yeah. So, so there has to be some balance there. We all know teenagers that would chomp at the bit for this, you know, give them a job on site. And it takes no effort to put together a little area for children to spend time and be safe and comfortable, right? Because I know some of the yeah. concerns are you're by the water, if you if you lose sight, or in some cases, some of the women here are uncomfortable having strangers. But now it's a dedicated service um, yeah. that I would take advantage of it in a heartbeat. I mean, I've been at the regattas where I've had my children with me and I'm handing them off to people and I hate that feeling. So knowing it's there, I think makes things a little bit easier. But another question I have um, is what, conversations have you had with your partners about this or like it's you know as 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 parents it's a 50 50 thing so is it just the case that because maybe you don't make as much money as they do or because it's uncomfortable like what conversations have you had with your partners uh to manage the children at regattas or in other times i would say well, that my husband not a conversation sometimes it's okay. a, a little bit of a fight but one that's healthy <laughs> yeah. My, I mean, my husband came to certain regattas every year, right? So like he thought San Diego was just in the calendar and that's what you did every year, you know, and uh, my children thought that too. And then, but if there were other regattas, like then it was up to me to figure out sort of the daycare after school or the transportation or whatever. And is that, know, that because my husband well. actually stayed at home with my kids when I was working at Ohio State. So um, it was really, it was really amazing. And when, when, and, and um, Andy was really supportive and sometimes the whole family would come down um, to on training trips and, and that was hard for <clears throat> provided attention, but it was amazing to have that segment. But that means that our, our income took a really big hit. And that's, that was our choice, you know, like we had, we decided to have one, one parent at home. Um, and that was a big sacrifice in a lot of ways, but I felt pretty good about that. And, and we were constantly in dialogue though pretty much being a coach trumped anything that was going on at home. If I had to go, I had to go, you know, because um, the job dictated. The dialogue that I would always have to do, it was always dependent on the regatta site. You know, like when I was yeah. coaching at the NCAA level, it was, I mean, and even the junior level and, and some of these regatta sites, it's a hassle. If you are not part of the team, it mm -hmm. is extremely difficult to bring the small yeah. children into the regatta site. Like if you are, um, 
NCAA level, you're taking the bus with the general spectators, and then you're not allowed in the athlete area unless you've got credentials. Getting extra credentials for your family member is a like it's really hard sometimes. Um, junior level, same thing. Like you're part of the general population, so if you're having to take a shuttle bus, like, and if it's a child that's not walking, or you're bringing your stroller, a, a wagon, this and that, like, oh my gosh, now it's like are you up to this mark like partner of mine like I love like are you up to this like of course I would love the support and I'd love to have you um with me but we're right. talking about also that moment that moment like I I dream about this moment where we do something amazing and the person that I love like the two people I love most in this world can stand beside me and celebrate that because that's what they have kind of sacrificed for me too, right? This time, this emotional right. investment, like, and I just, like, it would, it would, to enable that, right? Like, I have to do everything in my power to get to that moment, but like, to be able to turn around and see them standing there, like, you know, I have seen pictures of Derek on, you know, when he was at Oakland, standing on the podium with his children, and I, to me, that was like this beautiful moment, and, you know, I want to share that with the people I love the most, or like, I want to turn and have that hug be, my daughter looking at me being like, Oh, this is, this is the person, this is how it's done. You yeah. know? And I don't mean no, that. No, and that is, that is probably the most important thing about having your kids and your spouse around for all this big stuff, right? The big regattas. It is huge to have them there. where all the energy's going. You know, my kids always yeah. say mom's going rowing, mom's going coaching or mom's going, they know exactly where I'm going and spending time, but seeing what the end product is even the excitement of a racing doesn't even have to be a win, but the excitement of a regatta and watching a crew go down um, makes it all, I mean, for me, it makes it all worthwhile. <laughs> and so I want to define the solutions, right? So let's, can we define things say starting tomorrow, here's a great thing that we can do. Like one is, okay, having daycare here at regattas, like what are other things that we could start implementing tomorrow? Because you know what? And, and forgive me for preaching here, but it's like we have these conversations and topics. People talk about all the problems that we face, but no one really says, here's the solution. Rower's Choice, us, this group, this is an opportunity to define solutions and then try to implement them in some way. And that could be at I think coaching, like that's a good question. I think the biggest solution is to allow these big time coaches to have a little bit more flexible flexibility in their schedule, right? Like you can't, it's, it's so hard when you're on 24 seven and you are as a coach, that's what you sign up for is to be 24 uh, seven there for your kids, for the, for the rowers, for the team. But then you have to have a little more flexibility when you have kids to get them where they need to be and do these other things and not just be sitting in an athletic department for eight hours. That's an interesting right? thing. Sarah, Sarah was talking about now that she's the head coach, it's a different um, responsibility or a different relationship to being a mom and I think that's a really really interesting point that being a head coach and being in charge of the schedule versus being an assistant coach and having to your schedule is dictated by a whole nother entity um so supporting figuring out how to support head coaches to hire families um, or, or women with families and not shy away from that because that and and giving them same thing giving them the flexibility to to figure it out because it, it does take a huge amount of manipulation in, in time and, and a day. And as a, as a, as an assistant coach, I can completely see how it would be like, I can't possibly do this. I experienced it. It was extraordinarily difficult, but as a head coach, I think um, one, 
Go ahead. Yeah, I think one clear solution is, you know, just like we offered up like childcare to regatta site would be magnificent. I think it just needs to be family consideration needs to be part of the checklist of we're going to travel, we're going to train, check, check, check. Like we, we check in with our athletes all the time. Like, hey, how's school going? How's life going? Like as a coach, I've learned to also like share a little bit of what my life's going and how my like my stress level is going. And so I think if administrators and regatta sites and whatnot, like I know I can secure parking passes and all that for my boosters, my support that's gonna support my team, but it's incredibly hard to secure extra parking passes for my family members or extra yeah. credentials for my family members, which is my support system as like the leader, the head coach. So I think if like regatta organizers, you know, you get your trailer truck pass, you get your booster yeah. truck, you know, pass. And you get your family pass. Do you need any family passes for just coaches? Uh, Well, you know, and Sarah, you made a good point. Sarah, you made a good point earlier. And that is that you said you're a better coach, not your parent. And I think that Mm -hmm. these head athletic directors need to remember that, that we are better coaches because we are parents. We care. We care about our own kids. We care about our athletes. We care about the success. We care about all that. And I think that that's what they miss when they don't hire women for these top jobs is that they miss the fact that we and actually really, really culture. care. Yeah. Right. Well, the athlete about- is changing. The athlete is changing. You know, everyone mm-hmm. is like understanding that team culture is like, you know, the whole grill. You, you have to have a strong team culture. And I think yeah. if you as a coach can acknowledge that you are a human and that you are part of this culture and you are driving this culture because I have these real life experiences, that I feel like is what made me a better coach in that I can share that I am literally <laughs> multitasking right now and I can share, you know, my, um, my attention to both. Okay. Snack time is almost mentorship. <laughs> what? How can we? How can we create a, a culture of mentorship between women's coaches? I mean, and there definitely is some, but like, is there some sort of? There needs to be more. We need to create that, and I think to get that is huge. And we so, should do it. Uh, we the should solution, just, we have uh, to do it. solution. We talked about this yesterday is uh, creating a communication platform for that. So having twenty or thirty women high leadership saying, "Here we are. This is how you communicate to us." and we're open channels ready to go, and then promoting that. So on social media, at US rowing level, at any kind of level that people can go to. So you first need those mentors, right? Women that, or even sometimes men that could probably give perspectives too, right? I mean, there are women, women, right? Who have great insight into that world. And they don't have to be, you know, mansplaining or anything, but you just have men in those positions. And if, if young athletes, at the ages of 12 to 15 or 16, 18 years old, knew where to go to communicate to this, or 21-year-olds just out of college who have no idea how to make growing a career, if they know where to go to communicate, um, then, then they're better off. So it just means yeah. like a governing body or a company saying, here are the women that we absolutely support that are there to support you. And then it's up to those women to then answer the call, right? It's up to them yeah. to say, I will answer that question. I will be there for you. Um, you know, I, I like if I had a chance when I was 18 years old or 19 years old, if I knew that I could reach out to Mike Tatey, Tom Terhar, or even like Steve Gladstone, if I could just have five minutes with those guys, then then I would feel really comfortable asking specific questions on how to make it a career. Yeah. And we just yeah. 
usually do for yeah. You know, you make, you make a really good point. And I think, you know, we used to always call about, we always talk about the old boys network and how the boys, you know, sit in the bar and they talk about work or whatever they do. And, and I think that that's the same with the women. Like we need to also have that culture amongst ourselves where we just talk and have that communication because I'm an open book. Anybody ask me a question, I'll give anybody the answer, but I don't think that women necessarily feel comfortable calling people and saying, I have a weakness, mm-hmm. right? Because mm-hmm. it admits that we have a weakness. And I think that we have to be more comfortable with ourselves. Whereas men are like, yeah, I don't know how to do this. And this guy does. So he'll teach me. So we have to do that. And we have to be willing to do that. We can't have all the answers, but we have, we know people who have the answers. So let's reach out and get those answers. I think that also, like, I think that even in that moment, I think we have to coach people to do the, the, the act, the active part of mentoring. Right. Because I think like you're saying like, yeah, I want to have the network, but like, we have to sort of work on helping people take those steps. It's incredibly daunting to sort of reach out to somebody. Um, and so we all have lots of stuff going on. And so I I don't know, like the idea for me, even of asking somebody else to mentor me, is like, I don't want to disrupt them or I don't want to find them or they've got enough going on. Anonymous uh, ability. Like you can have anonymity. I can't say that word. Somebody will help me out. Uh, Anonymity. Anonymity. I still can't say it. Uh, But there's a way to do that and you could have a platform because in this today's world, younger athletes or younger children, call them children, teenagers, are afraid to communicate this way, like yeah. talking, but they'll, they'll be happy to write an email. And there's, there's, many ways happen, there's many ways that you can offer advice and direction. And I assure you, having done this many times now, I've interviewed 200 people in the last six months. Everyone wants the same thing. So if we just created a platform for it, I assure you that the people that want to be mentors will say, I'm ready to answer those questions. And then it breaks down the barrier and the walls for the young athletes to say, oh, I'm comfortable now. I'm ready to ask the questions. We had a 21-year-old woman contact us out of the blue and said, I've listened to all your podcasts and I want to make growing a career. Could you please help me? And it was because we said we're here to help. And you know what? We found someone and they're having a great time learning from one another. And now she has decided that she wants to make growing a career and she believes that she can do it. That's great. So um, we're going to take a short break. Okay. And when we come back, we're going to announce the winner. Okay. Because there is a winner here. And then we're going to say our final goodbyes. Uh, so again, if you like, dislike, agree, disagree, whatever, give us your feedback, give us your comments, uh, and more from us in a couple seconds. Hey everyone, this is Mary at Night Seat. It's a Coxon education program that provides online camps and clinics, in addition to our flagship program, Coxon Leadership Camp. All programs gives coxswains the tools that they need to get their teams to the finish line as fast as possible. For more information, find us at ninthseat.com or find us on Instagram at ninthseat. Uh, well, we're back. And, uh, you know, I joke about this, but this is, uh, you know, it's subjective. Uh, it's, well, it's, it's, it's actually just my opinion here. Uh, so I just choose the winner. <laughs> and in coaches' discussions, um, there is no clear winner. But today, uh, I'm giving it uh, to, to the mother of four who just, <laughs> just does not care where her children go. <laughs> Bad. You should have four. The funny thing is, she was late for the show, but she pulled it in. And, and look, 
this is she's the definition of like persevering motherhood. She's driving. She tells us, "I'm on my way." She finally goes to Starbucks. So it's a hardworking uh, coach, uh, Beth Anderson. You are the winner of today's show. Uh, oh, thanks, uh, Sarah. I like to uh, I like to start with you. Our final goodbyes, and uh, I guess a final goodbye would be if you could give a 17 year old or a 21 year old woman some advice on if she wants to be an Olympic gold medalist or if she wants to make this a career, what would you, what would you say to her right now? I would definitely say do it. Like, don't like, just go for it. Um, the part of the, the like route you should take is, um, find somebody who's doing it right now. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and just, you know, get in contact with them or if you can't get into contact with them, learn, study, become a student and learn everything you can about how that person succeeded and then try and make it your own and do it the way that you know how to do it. Um, be authentic, be brave, and just have fun. Sarah, I really appreciate you being here. I hope you had a good time today. Uh, Thank you so much. Oh, wonderful. Now, next up, uh, Anna, uh, rock star. You killed it today. Absolutely. <laughs> you and Beth for the victory here. Uh, what advice would you give the young woman looking for a gold medal or a career in rowing? <laughs> um, one of the biggest things I've learned in both of those in training for the Olympics and also being a coach is to focus on what's right in front of you and take baby steps to get to the big goal because the big goal is huge. It's a, it's a daunting task when you think about where you want to go someday, but if take off little bits at a time and focus on what your your goal is or what you have to figure out right now what the next step is you get there it's climbing a mountain one step at a time and um the steps are challenging sometimes but you keep going that's the other thing you gotta keep going don't give up along the way when you get knocked down because we all get knocked down we all get knocked down we're all crying on the bathroom floor sometimes and you just gotta pick yourself up and keep going um, and uh and you can accomplish amazing great things Anna, thank you for being here. I really hope you enjoyed the episode. It was a blast. Yeah. Catherine Starr, you're up here. I want to know, what advice are you going to give that young woman looking for a gold medal or knowing? Um, I would say just like go and make as many mistakes as possible because that's probably, those are the lessons that I think are, you're going to learn the most from. So just like don't be afraid of that. Like just make a mistake, learn from it and, and use it. And, you know, the moments you feel like you're learning the most and you're probably, I think, growing the most are the ones where you literally feel like you're over your head and or you're in over your head. So, so be there and live there a little bit and it's going to be exciting and you'll learn something there. That's what I'd say. Really great advice. Uh, and that goes for anyone in life. It's not just the out there. that's for anybody. I appreciate that. Now, I hope you enjoyed an episode of Coaches Yelling. I'm so happy that you were here. Um, but the winner. Oh, the winner. <laughs> the winner. Just the loudest, actually. The loudest, uh, however you want to determine the winning. Uh, but that, uh, your, your, your last words here. What, do you, what advice would you so, give? So the same thing I tell my children, which is nothing more important in life than having a passion. And if you're, if you're really passionate and you really work at whatever that passion is, you can turn it into a career. And my oldest came home and said, I'm going to major in conducting, like musical conducting. And I said, seriously, can you get a job in that? Because that's a good parenting, you know, good parenting advice. And she goes, mom, seriously, you're a rowing coach. And I was like, 
touche you win so you know so you learn that like if you have a passion to have that passion and just go for it and you know you're gonna get knocked down yeah like everyone else said you got to find mentors you have to find that but have the passion and stick with your passion and it's okay if your passion changes just always have passion oh, beautiful words to close on and i and those listening and watching i hope you enjoyed this episode part two of mothers and rowing uh, and again if you like, dislike, agree, disagree, whatever, please give us your feedback and comments. We're looking for solutions. Okay, we're talking, we're looking for solutions. Thank you for uh, watching or another coaches yelling.